0: I think the thing that helped me the most was I learnt the language of my mind and my body. We we learn a lot of like, you know, French, Spanish, German, etc. But really the most important language is do you understand your thoughts and can you hear them? And can you actually understand what your body is saying and the emotions you are feeling? Because once you understand that language, you are essentially the expert of your mind and body.
1: Maya Retura absolutely delighted to have you on the show the Purpose Dead Leadership Podcast we've been speaking on Instagram and a little bit on LinkedIn I've followed your story with great interest so for those that don't know you tell us a bit about you tell us your what you do now and then go into your journey from school
0: (laughs) gosh how long do we have Um, okay so At the moment, I am the founder and CEO of Remap Mental Fitness. So my personal and professional mission is to basically build the Nike of mental fitness and make this idea of training the brain as common as training the body. Um, I'm also a one-to-one coach for elite athletes, CEOs and very high-performing visionaries. Basically, I want to help people go from good to Amazing. Like the top 1%. Yeah. Um, So obviously, yeah, I didn't just like, you know, I wasn't born and this just happened. Um, School. Let's go to school. So um, I was a very high achieving individual. Uh, Like I did very well at school. I'm South Asian. That was kind of like expected. But I also was very into sports. So I played badminton professionally for county, country. And that was like my thing. I kind of thought that I would take that very far. Um, and I was training, you know, five, six times a week. And it was, it was my world, like absolutely my world. Um, but I basically, um, maybe at the age of about 15, started basically getting some symptoms in my stomach. Uh, so it started to like hurt a bit. And then when I went to the loo, it was really painful. And actually I started seeing, uh, blood quite often and obviously when you're 15 you're like uh-oh let's go to the doctor so i did that um and you know you go through the whole process of doing the tests and going on some medication and it was fine like I, actually life was pretty okay and i continued with my life i kept training in badminton i was still you know doing my GCSEs etc um i kind of ignored it if i'm honest uh, it didn't really affect me and as time went on, things just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And so, um, eventually it was at a point where like I was in the loo maybe thirty, forty times a day, and you are just it's just pure like blood and pain and it's it's quite like animalistic, really. You um you can't really scream or cry or like feel it because you're just having to survive it in that moment.
1: Because I've heard of something called endometriosis or something like that. It sounds similar to that or am I wrong? Uh,
0: so that is that is very common in, in women right. and yes, that's painful. So what I was eventually diagnosed with is ulcerative colitis, wow. which is, it's an inflammatory bowel disease. Uh, so a lot of people have heard of Crohn's, which yeah. is kind of like the sister or brother of it. Um, but colitis basically affects your large intestine. So it's everything from how you absorb food, water to essentially going to the loo. And it's funny because you know, these are things we take for granted. Yeah, yeah. You don't you don't think about how does your body actually yeah. help you go to the toilet. And I get it, it's a bit weird to talk about, but actually when it's really impacted, yeah. you realize how scary it is when that part of you doesn't really work.
1: It's also obviously debilitating.
0: Oh. I I don't even think there's a word to describe the the impact it had physically but mentally as well because as a as a woman who is you know a teenager yeah you suddenly are wearing adult nappies every day you are not feeling very good in yourself people don't also know about it i didn't tell anyone about yeah, it right. because i think it was well it was really embarrassing like Telling your friends that, yeah, this is happening. So it's like like going to
1: the loo every five minutes or ten minutes, effectively, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and I think to be fair as well, it's like I didn't know what was happening. Like I, I was really scared. I was really scared because there was no solution. I was just on medication after medication, infusion after infusion. And like at 17, 18, I was on about 60 tablets every day. Right, okay. And you know, is that a way to live? I, I just, no. So, how, so
1: we, we can go, go, go deeper in that. I mean, that's, I don't know how long you had it, but maybe you can answer that question. But how did it affect you mentally? Because physically, you know, we can guess, we can see, and I'm sure it was it affected you physically and the pain and everything else and stopped you doing various things. But mentally, talk about that.
0: So mentally, I think it was two, two major ways. Um, the first being uh, shame. I, because I didn't tell anyone, so I've had it for uh, about 10 years now, but the first...
1: You've still got it now.
0: Well, it doesn't go away, right. but I, I am not affected by it, is what I'll say. So I'm not on any medication, etc., which is pretty unheard of, but you know, it's a, it's a chronic illness. But um, shame was a big one because I didn't tell anyone. And I think when we feel like we can't actually say what's going on in our life and be honest about it, it really weighs on you. Like, it really weighs on you. Mm -hmm. To the point that, like, I had to lie about a lot of things or I was basically living a secret life, but not because I wanted to, because I just felt so embarrassed and ashamed of what was happening. So mentally, that can really weigh on you because I lost friends. I lost my social skills. And the other thing mentally was, like... You know, there's that saying where it's like... um, you get knocked down seven times and you just get back up eight. I was actually living that because, you know, being in hospital six or seven times and the way the cycle happens is like you get a flare up and that's, that can last for maybe like, you know, four weeks to four months, yeah. depending on what you do. Yeah. Then I'd go into hospital, then I'd have maybe a month where life was okay again. Yeah. And it would happen again. Wow. And just imagine that cycle where you think you're okay, and then again, life hits you. And you're going through the same pain again. You are so scared of it as well.
1: You can't move forward, can you? you probably probably lost your confidence, but you can't sort of dream and make plans and do that kind of stuff, I guess. I don't know.
0: No, not at all. Like, I could barely, like... It's... So today, for example, when I was coming here on the train, I always do this now. I... I remember the time where I could not even step on a train or in a car without without basically shitting myself. Like, just imagine that. Like, you, you it's a human right, right that we, you know... Obviously, as you're, when you're a baby, it's that similar thing. You don't have control over it. But as an adult, when you wow. don't have control over it... All
1: that, right, so without being too graphic, I, I just thought it was kind of... Um, waterworks but it's you're saying it's the whole bowel system it is much. it right. is
0: like no wow. yeah it's nothing to do with that's why some people but i would pretend it was I i'd see. be like oh yeah it's just like a you know it's like a bladder or whatever but it's, uh, uh, it's not it's actually that's you really are,
1: challenging yeah. God,
0: and that's why it's not it's not like a pleasant thing to be speaking about because sure. it's so taboo no one talks about that right and so yeah so when i'm like on a train and having an accident it's like the yeah, you feel like a, you know...
1: So literally, you'd you have to... Yeah, you literally would have to wear adult nappies and you'd have to kind oh, yeah. of like clean yourself afterwards kind of on a regular... That is, yeah, I can imagine... But that, I can not tell
0: anyone. I no. had to just like deal with it myself. And yeah, it's it was so dehumanising because I, the, the interesting thing is I'd say like 99.9% of people will never have to go through something like that, ever.
1: You say you lost friends. What happened? Did they just like abandon you or just ignore you or just you
0: <laughs> i guess they didn't understand like think about how immature we are at the age of about 15 16 like how can anyone understand and i think we were just in different places like whilst my friends are thinking about the next boy they want to ask out or the next party they're going to i'm there like will i get through tomorrow will i be able to ever go to school again will i ever not be in pain
1: so age of 15 through to like you know you're, uh, you're sort of late to mid 20s now aren't you yes
0: I'm 26 26
1: right um wish I was 26
0: (laughs) you look it (laughs) thank
1: you thank you um how did it affect your relationships then and your confidence in in that department
0: I mean simply put I didn't have a relationship um I lost my sense of femininity and being a woman because it made me feel very unsexy basically um and that is a relationship I've had to build in the last few years. Um, but no, I was very scared of boys. I was very scared of the idea of, like, anyone finding out or judging yeah. me. And they have previously, right? If, like, people have found out, it's like, all ill kind of thing.
1: I bet you get the thing where... Is that all she ever bloody talks about, kind of stuff? Because I've I've got I've had some diff, different types of issues and trauma and stuff like that, and I I I do constantly tell people what happened because it's it's part of my story and it's me and kind of like I've got to a point now where I don't care what people think. I I own it and I think. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes get people get the opinion of oh you know why can't you, it's not as easy if you just move on and not talk about it is it you got to you got to talk about it what do you think
0: yes and no I think I I got into the trap of always speaking about it to the point that I was then reliving it and I was actually just being a bit of a victim right it's like so when someone says how are you you're just like so it's just been awful x y z right and that doesn't help anyone because you're just telling your brain and body again and again I agree you're really with that. unwell you're yeah. never going to get better etc whereas now when I when I tell my story. And if I'm not in the right mindset, I won't say it because I need to be strong enough to be like, I know that I'm out the other side, yeah. and that I am sharing it to help someone else. Yeah. But you do. I have had to kind of train myself to say my story so that it's not me reliving it.
1: No, it's part of you, but it doesn't. It doesn't yeah. It doesn't define. It's me. not. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Abso- absolutely right. It's
0: made me who I am today. But it doesn't define me. And something I... So I was listening to a podcast, I think, like, I don't know when, a few few days ago, and the guest was saying that him getting diagnosed with an illness was the best thing that's ever happened to him. And he's so grateful for it. And I thought to myself, is that true for me? And I can honestly say, no. I am not going to sit here and be like, I am so glad I went through all of that pain and suffering for, like, five, six years. I'm never going to say that, like, yeah, it's the best thing that's happened to me. I understand why people say that, because obviously I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. But truthfully speaking, I would never go through that again.
1: Sure, I fully understand that. And I, I say stuff like that as well. But I also think that that adversity that you've had has made you stronger, resilient, and hopefully enabled you to, to, to build the business you're, you've built now. I and mean, you've got 200,000 followers. Is that right?
0: Yeah, and, and that's where I do. I am grateful for who I am from it but it does not mean that I would go through it again.
1: So what advice would you give people in a similar situation?
0: Well, don't take other people's advice, to be fair. No, I think um, I think the thing that helped me the most was I learned the language of my mind and my body. We, we learn a lot of like, you know, French, Spanish, German, etc. But really, the most important language is do you understand your thoughts and can you hear them? And can you actually understand what your body is saying and the emotions you are feeling? Because once you understand that language, you are essentially the expert of your mind and body, you are. And um, I'm gonna be a bit controversial here. Um, Your health, mentally, physically, emotionally, is totally your responsibility and your fault and and when i first heard that i hated it because i was like oh well i haven't created this illness but genuinely once i realized that Maya, you created this illness which means that you can also yeah. overcome it yeah. it helped me
1: i really resonate with that one of my favorite sayings is two men look through the prison bars one man saw mud the other saw stars oh wow and what, I what, what i mean by that is that i do think you get a choice i think i think your adversity my adversity we can, we can We can compare, but we shouldn't. There's always someone that's got slightly worse or whatever. It's all objective, isn't it? But ultimately, I do think we do get a choice about how we, you know, it's not what happens to us, it's how we deal with it. I know it's a very common statement, but I do think that we are in charge in that way.
0: Yeah, and and I think that's a really brave thing to admit, because the amount of people I hear saying, oh, but my mental health is bad because of my boss or because of my work or because of my parents, fine. Yeah, I agree yeah. that yeah, plays a role, yeah, yeah. but you can control who you're around, what you're doing and how you live your life. So, and I'm very, very clear with that, that we cannot blame it on other people. It is us. We have to take control of it. But
1: even if it is their fault, it doesn't actually matter because yeah. by you saying it's their fault, it's not actually going to change anything. Exactly.
0: It's, blame just doesn't help anyone. You know, you're the one drinking the poison.
1: Yeah, so talking talking about your stuff on Instagram, you're, and it's, it's fascinating. It's very up my street. You talk about emotions and feelings and all this kind of stuff. But I agree with you. I think you've mentioned the things like thoughts aren't necessarily real, and people say, like, "What do you mean thoughts aren't real?" In my in my experience, is that the majority of our thoughts that come into our mind they're from outside people or outside things, not actually our thoughts. Talk to us about all that kind of world.
0: Yeah, so um, generally, like, obviously, when we're growing up, you're gonna, your brain is basically, it's like a sponge, it will take in what your parents have said, what your teachers have said, what you've heard online. And obviously, now we're on social media, there's so much more coming in, right? So that's kind of like our brain will get wired based on what's coming in from it, like around us, etc. Now, I, I wouldn't say that our thoughts aren't real, every thought is valid. But It's We have to question them. They're not all going to be, they're not all going to serve us. They're all not going to, you know, be productive. So I think that's why if we can have the self-awareness to be like, okay, I'm having this thought, which might be, I don't know, I'm not a very good public speaker. Is it true? Maybe it is. Fine. What do we need to do to change that if you want to? But also, is it true? Like, I'm not good enough or she's prettier than me. Like, those are the thoughts that really lower our potential. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's that thing of thoughts are essentially the language of your brain. And, you know, there are many ways to navigate them. And I think a lot of people are like, oh, I just I just want to meditate and like, you know, make all my thoughts go away. Honestly, that's impossible. That is impossible. You cannot just get rid of all your thoughts. The key is being able to see them without judging them. That's what's key. And the really fun part of all of this is you can rewire your thoughts. They don't have to stay.
1: Yeah, I think it's almost like, to an extent, you can do all the work in the world and it really helps. I think negative thoughts or bad days or shit, it's always going to happen, it's always going to come. And I think you've almost got to accept that there's, there's times when, you know, sometimes you're flying, you're doing really well, and, things, and then some shit happens and you get this negative thought completely out of the blue and you're like, where the fuck has that come from? Yeah. I think sometimes you just got to accept it and acknowledge it and go, okay, you're there now. And almost like what I found, when you start to embrace that kind of thing, rather than I've got to go for a run, I've got to go for a beer, I've got to, do something, I've got to get rid of that thought, actually it just comes back worse anyway.
0: <laughs> so true and i genuinely i think being happy all the time is just so overrated it's so overrated because you know when someone's like oh no just positive vibes only or you know just think of the next thing but it's like actually negative thoughts or feelings it's part of being human Mm -hmm. can you sit with it and feel it so that it passes through you because you're right most of us are you know we wait till the weekend to just drown all our thoughts in alcohol or we're working away till like 2am or, you know, whatever we're doing. And actually, it's very rare that I can see that people are like, no, I'm going to be brave and sit with the discomfort and the, you know, sadder or harder thoughts and feelings and actually... Yeah. Just feel it. Let it let it oh, move Oh totally.
1: Free. I'm just picking up on something you just said yeah. there actually. When you said don't take other people's advice and I quite like that because what I've learned is that I do listen to some people and I admire people like, you know, the off the top of my head Jay Shetty, Gary Gold, Gary um Bina There's loads of people that I follow and get wisdom from. But ultimately I do think that uh until you start actually taking control and actually making your own decisions and doing your own thing, then you're always going to be subservient to other people anyway.
0: Yeah. And have you have you heard of the book, uh, The Advice Trap? It's very good. So it talks about both parties and this idea that, you know, when someone comes to you and they're like, oh, OK, this is happening in my life. Generally, as humans, we are very quick to be like, oh, you should do this or I did this, maybe trying this, right? Will we automatically give advice? And the book says that actually just create a bit of a pause moment and do this instead. And I now do this with my clients, also just like my friends. I ask them, what do you need from me? Do you need my opinion or my advice? Right? Okay. Do you want me to just listen and not say anything? good. Yeah, cool. do you need a hug and, you know, just us spend a bit of time together? And what it does is it makes them actually think, oh, okay, actually, what do I need? Because... You know, often when you give advice, they're not even taking it in because they're in the moment. And so even at work or wherever you are, it's such a great way to just be like, what do you need from me?
1: Yeah, totally. What's your thoughts on kind of like, because you're young and you're rising up. You're doing really well. You've done some TED Talks, which is phenomenal, which I want to do as well. And I, in my experience, and I've built multi-million pound businesses, I've had some ups and some downs. and I think that some people have helped me along the way. Um At the moment, I'm into kind of, I call call it shedding, where I'm I'm removing some people in my life, removing some energies, some situations, and some environments. And some of these people are quite big people, as in they're they're, they're influential and kind of like, up until recently, I wouldn't be able to do that. But like I'm at a stage now where I'm kind of, sometimes I've fallen out with people. I almost think it's because I'm doing quite well. And what I'm trying to say here quite badly is I think if you want to get where you want to get to, you have to be so ruthless with, anyone that's given you bad vibes and energy, what's your view on that kind of stuff? So I think sometimes we can get held back because of people being not not necessarily jealous, but kind of like just not being the right right trajectory for us.
0: Yeah, I think, um, to fair, this is a very, like, relevant topic for me at the moment because I think we always do focus on what more do we need in our life but similar to this idea of shedding like I I do life and relationship audits very regularly uh, just like every quarter I'll be like okay look at who's around you and I like this word of are they still serving you so not so much are they good or bad for me but it's like does it still serve me and what it does is it kind of like takes my ego out of it and I'm actually like okay what do they bring to my life? And is it helping me grow or learn or giving me joy? And so I really agree with you where sometimes when you have to take out people, it can be so difficult. Yeah, yeah. Like whether that's your closest friends, even family you just don't want to let it go, right? Yeah. But I think, you know, just because you have a past with someone does not necessarily mean they need to be in your future. and And it's really hard when they are people who have been there for a while. So how? Do,
1: I mean, because I've 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 struggled with it, but I'm getting really better now. And I have to say that the feeling of them not being my life, when you get past that and not caring and surrendering, is that amazing feeling of gone. Actually, I've I've managed to do that. Whereas before, up until recently, I'd be like, I kind of half did it and then allowed them back in. It's kind of like it takes it takes time, I guess. But what what advice would you give for people trying to kind of remove people that? They're in love with them in some way, or they 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 know that they're bad for them, but they they also make them feel quite good. It's kind of it's almost a self worth thing, isn't it?
0: I think there's two things to this. One, you've got to just take actions so that you can see. You know, just try it, just really, really try. And the second thing is, um, as much as we think that we are, you know, we really care for them and that we love them, and they do bring us something in our life. Ask yourself, that: are you losing yourself in the process? Because often, even though they still added some stuff to me, they're also taking away the parts of me that I loved. And I needed a bit of space for me to understand who that was again. Because we're always changing, right? And often... People will stop us from changing how we need to. So I think even if it's just like a bit of space, fine. So like collect your thoughts and be like, right, do I even miss this person? Often I do this and I'm like, I don't even miss them. And that to me shows, that that, a lot, yeah. okay, interesting. Maybe, you know, they don't yeah. need to be there.
1: You come across very articulately, very confidently, very clear. You've got a good charisma, good personality. It's all fake. So lots of, lots of compliments here. <laughs>
0: Thank you. Um, surely it's
1: not fake, surely not. Um, so I want to talk to you about relationships. I want to talk to you about the relationship you have with yourself and how that's changed. Okay. And also the relationships you have with family, with, you know, how, how, and how important do you think that that, that is to you?
0: Yeah. Um, so the relationship with myself, like this, this is changing all the time. Um, I, I guess there's many different ways to look at this, uh, but I'll talk about the couple of things that recently have been really, really helpful for me. Um, so... I always treat myself like my best friend, especially when it comes to, you know, negative thoughts or if I'm not feeling great. It's funny, when when I used to not feel great, I'd be like, oh, Maya, like, what the hell? Like, you know, just get over it or we'll just move on or what's wrong with you? But if my friend came up to me and was like, Maya, I'm feeling a bit anxious, yeah. would I ever say that to them? No. Sure. So in those moments, I I'm just like to myself, Maya, be your best friend. And what it's been doing is it's just created this relationship where I am kind to myself, but I'm also like you know tough love as well. Yeah. But I'm fair, and I like okay. that. And so, being able to develop yeah. that is is brilliant. Having that,
1: just to jump in on that, I think I think it's I think it's so good to have that self love piece. But I think it's good. I, I talk. I, sometimes I give myself a telling off, but not in a not in a stupidly critical way, but in a way that's actually. If I had a coach, I'd want that coach to say that to me kind of way. And it's it's a real art, that, isn't it? Exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm kind of my own therapist, if that makes sense. The other thing I do is I solo date a lot.
1: No, I'm I'm a big fan of that.
0: Right? Like, you know, yeah, sit in the pub on your own or in a restaurant or whatever it is. Because I think we've got to treat ourselves like like other people. Like, what do I like doing? Or what do I not like? Or how am I feeling? Things you would ask others. Get to know yourself in that way. Um, The other thing is, you know, I don't know, when it comes to like my body as well, it's really interesting. I um, have learned to just accept my body in every way. Why? Because I think when you do go through something with your health, you realize that ultimately that is the only wealth there is. And if my body is working... I have enough in life. I don't need anything else. If I can wake up and not be in pain and be able to, you know, eat something and move my body in some way.
1: Right. So, that gratitude piece, so you're not overly critical go, oh, God, I've put on weight and all you not don't, You don't allow that. Obviously, you care about your body and your shape and, all, and how you look, but you, you're not going to sort of be this perfectionist kind of like...
0: No. I think focusing on, like, progress rather than perfection, because really, it, does it exist? Like... You know, it was something that I learned when I was at school, which I really liked. So my, um, my background, my parents were born and raised in Kenya. So I spent a lot of time in Africa. Yeah. And um, when I was in the UK, you know, perfect and beautiful was blonde, blue eyes, quite skinny. That was like, okay. In Africa, so in Kenya, beautiful and actually status is women who are like, quite overweight actually they're they're quite big they you know they they're quite loud things like that and really I had these two ideas of beauty and perfection that were completely opposite and it's a bit like you know I love philosophy and like how Plato says we understand what the idea of beauty is but it's just an ideal like there are that has projections in different places and I think culturally I'm glad that I grew up with that to be like
1: That's very similar to wealth. I mean, people see wealth as money and status and cars and houses, and I I see wealth as how you treat people, your purpose, what you're giving to the world, and impact, all that kind of stuff. Obviously, money plays a part in that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think there's. I think it's Robin Sharma. He has these like eight forms of wealth, and that's similar. What you said is money, but it's also like self mastery. He has one which I love, which is adventure. I think that's so good. Isn't that amazing? Like, have a bit more fun in life when you get older. What do you do for fun? Yeah, <laughs> and I was yeah. like, I don't know.
1: So, so it, should one of your, it should be one of the values. For, I think having fun should be a value. We'll talk about values in a minute. But yeah. we kind of like the journey, kind of like you had it for 10 years between 15 and 25. It sounds like it calmed down a little bit the last two or three years. But at what point did you start accepting it, talking about it, owning it, and kind of like moving through it, do you think?
0: To kind of like fill in a bit of the story. So w- when I was, um, it was like August and. 17 or 18 i was in hospital and i basically couldn't go to uni so i was going to bristol and i really wanted to study innovation it was like my dream it sounds lame but it was um and yeah i was told i couldn't go i was just too unwell and so i spent a lot of that year just unwell and all of that, but I would constantly practice like visualization and seeing where I wanted to go, et cetera. And then I did end up going to uni. And actually I had the best, like three and a half years of my life. Like I, you know, was feeling way better. I was still on a lot of medication, but I was feeling way better. I was able to be a bit normal again, be in society, like learn all of that. Yeah. And you know, it was so nice. I finally felt free of the disease. Like I was like, my, this is amazing. You've been training your mind. You have like overcome something that should have destroyed you, like should have. And then it happened again. Yeah, I had my ninth flare and this one was like, this one, I, I didn't even react. I was just like, that is it now. I do not want to live my life like this anymore. I don't want the surgery. I don't want to be in this pain. So truly I was so at peace with just letting go. I, I did not wow. want to even, it, it was actually the happiest decision for me to be like, I'm finally okay. with just like, I don't, want to, I don't want to keep trying. I don't want to keep fighting or trying. Yeah. I am so happy to give up now. I didn't have the energy in me. Wow. And this was in my master's year. And I was doing my masters at the same time and I was like, oh my God.
1: That was like a spiritual moment in a way, no?
0: Yeah, in a way that it was like, I didn't, yeah, it's, you know, everyone's always like, oh, what kept you fighting? But actually, I didn't want to. I didn't fight anymore. Properly
1: surrendering. Yeah,
0: I just stopped. I was like, I couldn't do it. How did that, how did that,
1: obviously that changed your attitude and your relationship with the Disease, which it is a disease, is it? Would you or condition? Or you, yeah, disease. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It sounds like that moment also affected you positively in terms of how you looked at life in general. Would you say or not?
0: Not just yet, because at that point, I felt like the disease had won, and I was just not strong enough to do it. Like I, when I say I surrendered, I wasn't surrendering for the right reason at that point. I was surrendering because I actually couldn't do it. But that year, I. I'd I'd made a massive risk and I'm not, you know, I'm not saying anyone should do this, but I did come off everything and I just used the power of my mind and emotions and regulation and having very hard conversations. And I'd say the biggest one was acceptance. And all I did, which took so much courage was I put on my phone, I pressed record, and then I like posted this, I don't know, like it was like a nine minute video on instagram and at this point i literally had like i don't know 500 600 followers it wasn't like a big thing and i just i just said what i was what i'd been going through i was like for the last eight years this has actually been my life none of you know this because i've kept it a secret um and it just felt like this like black shadow came off me a little bit sure yeah. i finally like said it even my family didn't know
1: wow like it, it's just
0: now I think about it, like, you know, the whole time you're just denying the existence of a disease. Yeah. And, and it comes back at you, right? Because if you don't own it, it will fight even harder. And there's a whole nother basically like thing where our body will express what our mind suppresses. And for years, I was just suppressing so many emotions, so many traumas, so many experiences. I love
1: that. Your body will suppress what your mind expresses.
0: Yes, or and the other so the the way around. No, so you're yeah. You will create disease, trauma, all of that if you don't address your emotions and what's actually going on yeah, in your eventually mind.
1: It's like a second cast post. It will definitely it will come eventually. Yeah, you can you can you can run, but you can't hide.
0: No, no, exactly. And and you ask, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, there's a rise in chronic illness. Yeah, but why? Actually, look at the world we live in, where none of us are taking the time to, you know, actually know who we are feel our emotions, yeah, yeah, do all yeah, of that. Yeah. That's a huge, huge source of why we're getting more chronically ill.
1: Oh, totally. I I think, I, I don't know what the number is, but a very high percentage, I'd, I'd, I'd go as fast as say, above 80 or 90% of people in this world, they're going to work, they're getting up, they're doing their thing, but they don't even know why they're fucking doing it. There's, there's no purpose to their lives. Um, I've been guilty of this in the past, not, not now, I'd say. And they're in denial or, 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 or they're not willing, able, capable won't even know how to actually just just be open, take the mask off and just be yourself. And it's it's not easy, but it's so worth it.
0: It is, but I do think, yeah, being yourself is bloody scary and there's a have you ever heard of this i love it it's this japanese i feel like the japanese doesn't know their stuff there's a japanese like um idea that we have three faces so one is the face we show to the public which tends to be the most masked like it's you know where we go to work and things like that then you've got the face which you show to like your your inner circle like your friends right or your family the ones who know you a little bit more they understand you a bit then your third face is the one that only you can see only you no one else actually has ever seen it it's just you and I think I really like this idea because even when you are yourself with other people the only person who really knows who you are is you but you've got to work at it you've actually got to spend time finding out who that is so taking off those other masks and being like when I'm fully alone do I like myself and who am I Like, without your job, without your name, without everything, who are you? And it's a fascinating journey to go on.
1: Talk to us about... um, It's an archetypal question, but I want to go quite deep. Where, Where was that time where you just felt, like, in bits, on the floor, your darkest moment, you kind of, like, just...
0: I definitely had a lot of them, to be fair. I think the one that probably really got me was this time in hospital. And... It was just this doctor being like, "I am so so sorry uh you like you just will be sick the rest of your life and it was like and I remember it was it was this ward where it was for they had no windows, and this nurse she she was like this nurse came in, it just took my blood, and it was just like I was just withered i didn't even I didn't even like recognize her, I didn't even want to and You know, yes, I feel like I've hit rock bottom so many times now to the point where they've always put me in bits. And I think that's why that whole, like, falling down seven times, getting up eight is a fine saying. But, like, when you are doing it year on year, it can really break you. Sometimes
1: you you just think, where's it all going to end?
0: Well, exactly. And that was the problem. Because I didn't have any goal or hope for my future, that is a very scary thing. When you don't have any hope, like, 0%, it's so scary. Like, it's so, so scary. And I think the fear of just not knowing and if it was going to happen again and people telling me it was going to happen again, it, yeah, it can really, um, it changed me as a human, to say the least. I became very cold and had no love and I, uh, I hated the world. I hated the world. Yeah. Oh my gosh.
1: How did you change that perspective then? Because um, it's hard not to be, negative i think
0: (laughs) yeah oh my god and i had every right to be i had every right to be depressed and upset um how did i change the perspective uh hard hard damn work and um i actually don't think it was a quick process for me it was a bit like um you know like in a car where you have like reverse neutral drive it was a bit like that i was a reverse for a long time and slowly i worked my way to neutral so it wasn't about like maya life is amazing no it was like okay how can you minimize your negativity just by one percent by one percent and keep going then it got to a point of neutrality and i was like okay i can breathe that i can be grateful for that i can see a tree i can see a sunset start being grateful for those things you build up that and then obviously visualization was a huge huge piece of like me being able to rewire the way I saw the world and the way I saw myself and what I could achieve and become. And that was a massive part of then me realising, Maya, like, this does not have to be the way it stays.
1: Absolutely. I think oh, that's right. It's, about, it's unwiring, unwiring then rewiring. And you talked about that, but can you give us a bit more information? Because I've I, I used the power of visualisation and kind of like, I've got it down to a T now, I think, but, but I think people laugh at meditation and visualisation and this kind of stuff, but... And so you can visualise it. I don't think you can realise it.
0: Oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And um, I, to be fair, if you look at the best athletes in the world, this is exactly what they do to achieve their goals. Um, and yeah, people do laugh at it. And that's great. Like, I don't mind if you do. Um, you know, people used to laugh at the fact that humans used to run. Like, it's we're just a bit late on timing and that's fine. But I think ultimately... It's the idea that if your brain, you know what like we were talking about just before, your brain is conditioned with all those thoughts and ideas yeah, from course. media, parents, etc. You can live your life being stuck and staying with that, basically governing how you live your life, or you take control of it and you rewire that. So by rewire, I mean that you can take the pathways in your brain and re shape them you can get rid of old pathways and create new ones
1: yeah I've done stuff like NLP and RTT yeah kind of stuff. yeah
0: so yeah and they're, they're all like different ways to kind of like tap into the brain but I think the reason I like visualization is because is it's like it's literally just your brain all you need is what's between your ears seven to ten minutes every single day and you're done like it's just like how you train your body and it's fun you're using your imagination you are giving yourself the power to like shape your future. And obviously I used it for that, but I also used it for my pain, for you know, my my gut, for my cells, for all of that. So
1: So how did you come to this was it just the 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 disease that got you into this what you're doing now? So I want, you obviously want to finish off the journey, but I want to know how you're you're now doing what you're doing. I mean you you, you see that CEOs and athletes become the top one percent, you know, how do you, how do you do that? And the mental fitness piece, I love that.
0: Yeah, so it was um it was through the disease that I started practicing it. But then I actually went on to uni and studied innovation for about four years. So that's my background. My background's actually geography with innovation, so you know. And then um In my last year, I had the opportunity to start a business. And so I did. And I realized that, like, everyone knew about meditation, but no one knew what visualization was. Mm -hmm. And I was doing it every day, and it was helping me. And so I, and I knew athletes did it. Um, And so I started that, and I was like, okay, my mission is now going to be to spread this to more people. Um, And specifically mental fitness, because I don't really talk about mental health anymore. I'm just bored of just talking about it like do something actually train it and sure you know yeah be proactive um and I think this idea of fitness is way more empowering so when I when I work with yeah these CEOs and athletes that's because I have a skill that is very unique at my age and for the amount of time I've done it you've got maybe Joe Dispenza and some very great athletic coaches who also do it but they're they're not very known or public and people can't really you know learn from them whereas I love teaching this so others can also experience the same sort of benefits so I love the one-to-one coaching and yes obviously being in these circles of very cool people is amazing and also I learn a lot yeah and then the other side of this is great but how can we get more of the world doing it and that's where I love the events. I love the, you know, working with your Nikes, your Gymsharks. It's it's super fun. So is
1: it a question on the one-to-ones? Is it a question of imagine the best version of your future self, Chris? What, is your, what do you look like? What do you feel like? What are you dressing like? Is it, is it that kind of technique or is it? It
0: can be. I teach five types of visualization. So you've got outcome, which is similar to what you said. So you're building motivation, power, etc. Process, which is brilliant for um like productivity performance especially and like overcoming challenges you have then got creative visualization so this is brilliant for um managing emotions like a lot of footballers when they're let's say about to go on pitch you know you get nervous etc how can you work with that lebron james is such a good example of you. you could literally see him with his eyes closed doing it you know during his games like it's powerful Then you've got two others, negative visualization. I don't teach this to everyone, but it's this idea that if you see the worst that can happen, it can often motivate someone. So Michael Phelps is a good example of he would see all the things that would go wrong, but it would prepare him. Mm -hmm. And then the last one is explorative or receptive. So this is brilliant for CEOs and, you know, executives who are thinking of starting their own thing or they're brainstorming new ideas, et cetera. It's a great way to create your mind like a whiteboard. And someone like Einstein or Nikola Tesla are good examples of that.
1: So do you put your clients into some sort of meditative trance then or not?
0: I guess you could call it that. Like ultimately, you know, they are, yeah, like I'm guiding them through something. Um, And ideally, you want your eyes closed and not having too many senses around you. And then I use like very awesome music that i dj and yeah that's that's kind of the process
1: yeah so this is a, the purpose dead leadership podcast and i believe that when you find a purpose or you're 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 delivering your gifts things happen so w- would you say that what you're doing is you said you've got a gift which I, I love that statement do you think this is your calling and your purpose to do this or
0: so i think it's definitely my zone of genius okay and I love it. And I, I see a big difference between my purpose and my passions. Like, my passions I love doing, but my purpose is what I get out of bed for. But the other thing I will say is I don't like this narrative that, like, you know, we're on this earth to find our purpose. Like, I don't believe that. I think we all have multiple purposes, and it's attained on a daily basis. I think they
1: evolve and change regularly, exactly. regularly as well, right?
0: Exactly. And, like... You know, you have, to, you have to live it out and attain it every single day, even in the smallest of actions or thoughts or whatever. So I do think this is very aligned to, yeah, my purpose, one of my purposes. Um, and who knows if it will stay like that? Okay. I don't know.
1: well. Um, we're excited to find out, definitely. Talk to us about a family then. How's that played out for you? It seems like your family were good for you. In terms of looking after you and that kind of stuff?
0: Yeah, you know, I only until recently realised the amount of stress and impact it has on others around you when you are going, even though you are going through the the worst bit. Yeah, of course, right. It must be, it was awful for them. It was mm, awful.
1: They were quite supportive, right?
0: Yeah, they were, but also no one fully understood. And actually, I started to really resent my family because whenever I saw a healthy person, I was just literally like, screw you. Simple as. That's all I saw. And I remember, like, my sister eating a salad in my hospital room and I was just like, "Gow!" It's such weird things, but, like, you know, in the moment, it was horrible because I couldn't do it. Yeah, And so over the years, I have started to learn that family, you know, everyone says that you don't choose your family. I get that, but we do have the choice to work on our relationships with them. Mm -hmm. And so I actively want, you know, and still I'm wanting to spend more time with them, treat them like friends. So like, you know, actually call them up and check in or have those hard conversations with them because it's very easy for that stuff not to be very honest and, you know, especially in a in our culture, we don't talk about emotions, we don't talk about hard things, we don't really talk about relationships. So it's quite lonely, but I'm trying to change that.
1: Okay. I mean, for such a young woman, you've got a very wise head on your shoulders. Well, I feel
0: like 50 sometimes.
1: <laughs> what, what do you think the biggest... Differences between the old mayor and the new mayor, if you like. Is there an old mayor and a new mayor?
0: Oh, there's so many. There's so many, you know, constant evolving versions. Um, I'd say there's probably two biggest changes. One, I, I am emotionally fierce now. I will own the fact that I may cry in a random place or that I may get angry and actually shout. I like that I feel deeply and I'm not going to I'm not going to suppress that anymore like suppressing that led to the disease staying you know I even the bad this. emotions I love this Yeah like I used to be a very jealous kid very jealous and growing up in a competitive sports environment it was horrible I just couldn't lose I couldn't fathom any anyone else winning but me and I would literally resent that and but I didn't know how to express it because it's unladylike and it's just it's you know it's not very nice I'm
1: all for appropriate anger I think anger can be too much sometimes but i I think it's it's very rare that you're not angry for a reason if it's appropriate anger is healthy
0: and it's very like it's a very um energetic emotion so it has to move through us right like emotions are energy in motion if we don't feel it in some way it's gonna just stay in us for i'm pretty sure it's an emotion will stay in your body for about seven years and that's from the body keeps score unless we can release it. And then
1: that can play out in, into the diseases you talked about, if it's not Everything. worked on. yeah,
0: Everything, because then it just it just festers in your stomach. So yes, um, I'd say I'm emotionally fierce and I love that and I own that. Um, and the other thing is, I, I guess I always used to um, consider I was good enough or worthy if I was achieving something, uh, which I think is a very common thing for all of us. Um, and I am working, and slowly I'm getting there. On just being like, who cares? (laughs) Like every day you wake up, you are breathing. That is it. So you're not. Although
1: you've got two hundred thousand followers, you're not. You're not one to sort of chase the the metrics and the numbers too much, or is that important? I think
0: attaching to that is so dangerous. And and honestly speaking, when I post, I then just go away. I don't have any notifications on my phone. I don't see it. I don't get that dopamine hit. To me, social media is like, can I be of value to someone? Great. Like, And if I don't enjoy posting, I won't. And my rule is, if your life offline is worse than yours online, stop posting, Maya.
1: So come on, what is have you got? Some Most people have got addictions to something or they've or they, or they got bad traits and that kind of you said you said you were fake earlier which you're not but come on what, what, what's the real Maya
0: oh gosh <laughs> um no I think I think I'm still I'm working on so much in my personality you know I still experience envy even like this week I've been feeling really insecure about certain things and it's not that you never experience those things it's just that They either become a bit smaller in your life or you have the tools to handle them. So, yeah, I am a mess sometimes. I don't have my life figured out and I make mistakes, but I am not a mistake and I am not a failure. I am just, um, I guess I'm like a, the way I see it is like I'm a masterpiece and a work in progress all at once. You know, I'm working on myself, but I'm also damn fucking cool as well.
1: See, I love that. You're not afraid to give yourself compliments in a public thing and all that kind of, and I used to be like, oh, you can't do that. But no, fuck that. You've got to feel like that. Oh, I keep swearing, it doesn't matter, it's my podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I think that's, people can learn from that kind of stuff. I think people were scared to almost like um, self-proclaim themselves a little bit.
0: Yeah, like selling yourself is difficult, right? I think, and especially as women, other women really judge that. They think it's like, right, of course, you know, really yeah. arrogant and stuff. And I get it, but I don't really see it as selling myself. I see it as I'm selling an idea that can really help people. And if my story is the one to do that, or if, you know, something like this is going to do that, cool. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's fine. So
1: you say you get, you get angry, which is fine. Yeah. Uh, what, what does piss you off then?
0: I get angry when um, I get rejected. And obviously in the business world, you know that is everywhere. Um, I am very good at judging my own emotions as well sometimes, so I catch myself. Um, sometimes I do just get angry, like, you know, sometimes you just get those days where everything goes wrong and that's also fine. Uh, and when I do, I actually love, this is going to sound really lame, I like shouting when a train is going by.
1: <laughs> Why? That's random. Why did you do that?
0: Well, because no one can hear the scream, but I can scream as loud as I want. It is so good. And I honestly feel amazing. I just need to scream. Or well, I'll go into my car that. and I'll just scream. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's yeah. it. And then I'm done. Do you feel you've still got demons then from any any or part of your life?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. And hello to them. Like I, I think it's that thing of like, I'm not scared of them anymore. And when they come, I welcome them and I'm constantly healing and learning new things and, you know, stuff like that. But yeah, these Demons are there. I think it's just like, do you have the courage to face them?
1: Yeah, we're kind of coming towards the end. Um, it's been fascinating. Although you come across as very confident, and you are, but you're a human being, what, what, what scares you? What, what, what do you get nervous and anxious about? Or do you?
0: What am I scared about or anxious about? I guess in full truth, like I always have a part of me that's like, what if I get ill again? But that is a thought i cannot afford to entertain so it comes sometimes but i won't let it stay because if i do then you know i'm giving it the chance to do that yeah sure Um, i think like (laughs) you know i I don't know there's nothing i'm like truly scared of i think i've been in situations now which have scared me
1: It made you more resilient though right
0: yeah yeah
1: okay You touched on how women can be a little bit judgmental, but we can all be judgmental, can't we? But on on the men and women thing, there's a lot of conjecture around on social media about what men do and don't do, what women do and what women don't do. And there's different communities now, but in a headline way, what do you think men can do more of or be better at, if you like, to to help and support women? And also that question in reverse, women to men?
0: Mm a uh, great question so uh, and I don't know if I'll answer this necessarily in the right way I do I do genuinely believe that men just the way they are physically built and etc are probably better at certain things right and women the same the way i the thing I've been really like discovering at the moment is my masculine and feminine energy I really I really like playing with that so when I'm doing an event. I go very masculine. On stage, I am like super assertive. I like don't show too much um, empathy, things like that. And it works for me because I don't know, it's, it's an energy I love bringing. But then I also for a very long time was not connected to my feminine at all and it was only recently in like a relationship and you know some people I'd met where they were like Maya like you're allowed to also be taken care of I was like what does that mean but actually connecting with my feminine has been so powerful because actually I have felt more myself where it's helped me balance that and I think every single person man and woman you have equal amounts of masculine and feminine,
1: Absolutely. but
0: some people are going to be like 90% masculine and that's why they won't really, you know, be that emotional or have that empathy that, you know, other people might have. But it's all about playing with those energies and understanding you can be strong with both. And something I realise is when I'm super masculine, it brings out a masculine side of men that clashes with me whereas when I show my femininity they feel safe enough to show their femininity and I love it it's great but I think that's
1: really important in a relationship is it's almost like allowing the person to be masculine or feminine. it doesn't it doesn't mean that you have to adapt it's just that it's it's okay and for a man to be man to have feminine energy can actually be quite a quite a strong thing as well oh my gosh so strong just whether it's masculine or feminine it doesn't matter I, th- I think that for a man to 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 utilize his feminine energy can work wonders in many aspects. And the same for a woman. So I think you've articulated that really well, actually.
0: Yeah, and and if anyone is interested in that, there's a great book by Sadhguru called Inner Engineering. And he talks about this because embracing your femininity doesn't mean you become more like a woman. It's not about that. It's just about um, connecting to a part of you that probably you have suppressed. And it's super important to, to get there. And so, you know, when it comes to how men and women can support each other, I think it's about understanding that dynamic relationship you have with yourself and those energies is then how you can bring that forward
1: that's a really good answer so then um last few questions um what's the what's the future look like for you what's your plans for the future
0: well domination <laughs> uh, so yeah my big thing is to you know build the nike of mental fitness and i see myself very much on stages that are bigger better engaging more people building a really strong community here um and honestly my future also looks like everything i'm doing now you know, just enjoying my life, going on nice walks, keeping my health always, always at the forefront of everything I do. Like, I will never sacrifice it again. Even yeah. if it means stopping the business or whatever, I do not care. Yeah. I will never sacrifice my health. So that is my future. Healthy, healed and having had a lot of fun. So what's fun to you then? I do love playing. I think, um, yeah, I think... Honestly, like I find joy in the tiniest of things. Joy is like a bit of like a GPS for me. You know, if I'm like with someone and I feel a bit of joy, cool, I'm gonna stay there a bit longer. Or I get so much joy from like the sunset or just like going on a run. It's such simple things. And I love making the little ordinary things feel extraordinary to me. So by having fun, yeah, I play, I will swim, I will do whatever, like it's, every day it's a bit different. You know, this in itself is an adventure for me.
1: Yeah, meeting you in person, I can can feel your energy and I hope as many people get to meet you in person as possible. I can see why you're doing what you're doing, it's really infectious, I can't wait to see what the future holds for you. Just before you do go, what advice would you give to young entrepreneurs out there trying to, trying to make something of themselves?
0: Oh, gosh, there's so much, so much to say. I'd say the the one thing I would say, and I think this probably aligns very well with the whole podcast and the theme is just ask yourself why. Just why is it that you want to do that? Because when you can connect to that bigger part of you, that bigger purpose, or the thing that's just above your ego, right? Like, seriously think, like, what do I want? Why do I want it and how do I want to feel? And yeah, I will say visualize that because it's like you said, if you cannot see it, how are you going to make it happen? And that's a really fun process. And so don't do that mistake that most people do. They get to 50 and then you ask them, what do you want? And they're like, I spent my life not doing what I wanted. Ask it now, what do you want? Like why and how do you want to feel and then why are that in your brain from now?
1: Because there's no, nothing that can't be achieved. There's nothing, nothing soft limits in that situation. I think some people think, oh, I just want to get promoted. I just want to do that. It's, it's, it's almost like having a, per, a perception of it, limitless, right?
0: Yeah. Think big, then go bigger. Like simple as. And even if you don't get there, you're probably going to get further than if you went for something smaller.
1: And where can people find you if they wanted to make contact?
0: So on Instagram, I'm maya.mentalfitness and then also host Mental Fitness Live every month. And you can find all the info and then on LinkedIn as well, which is just Maya Raichora.
1: Maya, absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for coming on.
0: Thank you. No, it's been a great convo.